We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, what's going on? Welcome back to the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I'm Ryan Roberts, Director of Recruiting here at Irish Breakdown, joined by the founder, the publisher, <laughs> Mr. Brian Driscoll, coming to you all live on a Tuesday. And I know we're all super excited. We're ready to really get into the midst of the spring because it's going to be a very important spring for Notre Dame football. There's no doubt about it. And we're going to focus heavily on spring practice and what we're expecting out of the defense kind of looking forward to the spring because we're only eight days away from Notre Dame spring ball officially kicking off on the 22nd of this month. So I know we're both pumped, Brian. I know it's a huge year. We talk about the second year under Al Golden as a defensive coordinator, a lot of questions to be answered, a lot of talent to go through today, but in general, man, this is going to be an extremely important defensive uh, defensive spring for the Notre Dame fighting Irish. Yeah, it really is, Ryan. And and when you look at this football team, there's this there's this perception that the defense sucked last year. And it didn't. The defense was still good. It was still a top 40 scoring defense. It was a top 30 defense in, in regard to total yards. You know, it was its rush defense was inconsistent, but online with most Notre Dame defenses in recent years. It wasn't it wasn't abnormally bad. It's its past defense was pretty good compared to, to past Notre Dame seasons. And it just was overall, it was a team that did some really good things. It was one of the best total yard defenses that Notre Dame has had in a while. Now, yards per play, a little bit of a different story. But even there, Ryan, it was, it was, they were 34th in yards per play. The problem is they were terrible at certain things. They were terrible at forcing turnovers for most of the year. They were terrible in the red zone for most of the year. And so there were, there were issues like that that, you look at and say you know, there was drops in certain areas. They weren't good enough at certain positions to be a championship defense. And that's really what this conversation comes down to. The defense was better than the offense was last year for most of the season. I mean, that's not really debatable, not in every game, but for most of the season. And and it just it wasn't clutch. It wasn't a defense that could make plays when it really needed to. And that's something that I felt like Marcus Freeman and Clark Lee and Mike Elko's defenses did is even when they were having bad games, for the most part, they could get stops when they needed to get stops. The defense last year against Ohio State couldn't do that in the fourth quarter, couldn't do it against Marshall in the fourth quarter, couldn't do it against Stanford in the fourth quarter, couldn't do it against USC in the second half. And and so that played with an offense that underachieved to result in Notre Dame underachieving as a team. So now the question is, okay, can you take it to another level this year? Can you improve it, or is it going to just be sort of a little bit better version of what we saw last year? Because I fully anticipate, and we'll explain why in part of this article, around, I anticipate this defense being slightly better just because of experience and things like that that we'll dive into. But experience in, in slightly better doesn't make you a playoff caliber football team, not against the schedule they're going to face this year. It's about can you jump it back into where it was before and then maybe take it to another level? That's going to be the question. Well, and if they can't do that, then this team is going to just continue to be good but not great. And that's that's really and – it, and it's got to start this spring, right? 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, I think one key thing that you hit on, and I agree 100% on it, is usually even the elite defenses in college football and even kind of working up to the NFL level, they're usually elite in a couple different spots, but they're at least solid in everything, right? They're solid here. They're solid there. They're good there. They're elite here. They're elite there. There's not usually those championship level defenses or even, you know, elite defenses or even really great defenses that are great in a few different spots and then bad in another, right? Like that was Notre Dame last year. It was, I mean, we'll talk about red zone defense, for instance, right? Like Notre Dame was bad last year. It wasn't okay or it wasn't solid. It wasn't even below average. Like it was bad. Like it was what what was statistically the worst in college football, I think, last year, right? Like it was awful. So second worst in overall red zone defense, dead last in red zone touchdown defense. Now exactly where they were good, Ryan, is Here's the deal. They didn't allow many teams to get into the red zone, right? I mean, and that's that's sort of the thing about this defense that that makes you so frustrated. They ranked 10th. They were tied for 10th in the nation. And two of the teams – let me, let me finish that sentence. They were tied for 10th in the nation in fewest red zone trips allowed. Now, two of the teams they were tied with were Michigan and Georgia. Now, keep in mind that those two teams played one and then two extra games. So Michigan played one extra game, Georgia two. But it gets you in that in that sort of that conversation of they didn't allow many teams to get into the red zone. So if you simply improve that one area and you jump into the top 50, all of a sudden you're a much better defense. But is it still good enough to win those big games? That's a different conversation and a different question, right? And that and that's where they need to get to. And there's a lot of strengths to build on. There's no question. But there's also a lot more question marks on this side of the ball than there is on offense. And I think that's partly where where the excitement on offense comes from and where the concerns are on defense. Whereas on defense, it's kind of like, well, a lot of guys come back, but even though there's a ton of guys coming back, we'll break down what I mean by that. It's, it's still a situation where you're like, but who's the dudes, right? Who are the guys that are the stars outside of the two corners, you know, who's going to really be good up front, you know, whereas on, on offense, you say, man, they underachieved last year, but boy, there's some, there's some talent there. There's some stuff to build around. And and so on defense, it's more of, well, they got these two dudes, but, you know, there's no Blake Fisher, Joe Walt combination up front. There's, you know, right. you've got the corners, you know, there's no Audric Estime, Logan Diggs, exciting one, two that we're, we're hyping up and, and excited about it. Linebacker like there is a running back, you know, and th- those are the things you look at. And, and then the transfers aren't as sexy as Sam Hartman, in my opinion. From a perception standpoint, now you and I are going to have a lot to say about those guys as we kind of go over the next few months about how they're going to be very important parts of this defense. But just I think that's where the perception of this defense comes from, why there's not a lot lot of excitement, even though it was a solid group last year. Right. But the reality is, Ryan, if those things are going to change, some of the answers we're going to start to find this spring. And as we said with the offense, if you're going and, and you nailed it, Ryan, 
if you're going to be a big-time defense, there's got to be things you can hang your hat on. It's got to be things you say, boy, this is where they're really, really good. And and for from start to finish last year, there was nothing that Notre Dame can hang their hat on and say, we know we're at least good there. Opener to final, like for the for 95% of the season, because no matter what your strength is, Ryan, everybody has a bad game. Yeah. Everybody does, right? And so it's not about necessarily being elite every single game. It's about, okay, are you doing it over the course of the entire season? That's the question mark, right? And so that's where I think I want to see kind of Notre Dame get to. And and so you look at Georgia, right? Their defense the last two years has been pretty outstanding. Their 2021 defense has just really been phenomenal. But guess what? They had a really bad game in the SEC title game. It It, it happens, right? So the thing is, can you overall, can you be strong somewhere? And I think when you look at this football team, that's one difference, in my opinion, Ryan, that's different now than where we were when we were talking about where this defense was in the fall, is there's at least one area that I go into the opener against Navy saying Notre Dame is going to be really good there, and that's cornerback. That is the number one strength. And as we'll get into this conversation, it's so strong that I believe that this coaching staff needs to use that strength to then help other positions, which we'll get an, another position which we'll get into, Ryan. But that is one positive going into this offseason and going into the spring is there's at least one position that I feel good about saying going into right now, March 14th, as soon as Cam Hart gets fully healthy, that's going to be a major strength for Notre Dame is cornerback. And that's where the strengths of this defense begin. It's pretty wild to think about because when you talk about Benjamin Morrison and the year he he had as a freshman, obviously he's coming back next year, right? You can't leave for the NFL until after three years of college experience. So he's coming back as a sophomore. And honestly, Brian, if Cam Hart did not come back, I would still be looking at that cornerback group and being like, they have a chance to be really good. You know, like they still have a chance to be very good. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that, and it's an unfortunate circumstance for Cam Hart that he had the injury towards the end of the year. But he has an opportunity now to come back and end his career off on the right note. It, it was unfortunate for him in 2022. Yes. I think it's going to be fortunate for him and the entire defense in 2023 because now he gets a chance to be a more consistent player. Because last year, Ryan, with Cam Hart, for example, I think Cam has gone from a has become a guy that is very underrated and underappreciated by Notre Dame fans because he had a couple bad moments last year. I wouldn't even say he had bad games. He had a bad first half against Ohio State. Yeah. How many balls did Ohio State hit on him in the second half? And it wasn't for lack of effort, right? Yeah. He had a, a couple bad plays against North Carolina. You know what he did in between those bad plays? A lot of really good stuff. That's the nature of cornerback play. If you give up a couple plays, there's this assumption that, well, this guy just gives up a lot of plays. <laughs> second half of the year, there's a lot of good film for NFL teams to look at second half of the year. However, it's just not been consistent. Well, now that he comes back, he has a chance to prove that he can be a more consistent player. And he's going into year three as a starter, which I think is going to be huge for him. Because, again, this is a kid that made a position position switch and not going from corner to safety like Ramon Henderson. He went from wide receiver yeah. to corner, a little bit different. And so, to me, I think that's huge. But now there's this guy across from him that kind of elevated his game. And when I, I talked to a source when we found out before it was announced that Cam Hart was going to come back, the source I spoke with said the fact that Benjamin Morrison played so well was motivation for Cam to come back because he wants to get thrown at more. He doesn't like that he gets – that's the kind of an attitude you want, right? Like, you know, come at me. Bring it. And, and so if he can build on what he was the last six games, I mean, I – I've said, like, Zay Flowers, big-time NFL prospect, right? People talk about Marvin Harrison is, is arguably the best receiver in college football next year, and I don't even think it's that arguable, to be completely honest with you, in my opinion. I, I, I don't know if there's anyone I would put in his league next year, in my view. You talk about some of the Jordan ad. Well, actually, that doesn't matter because they didn't. Cam Hart didn't play against him. But you kind of go through the schedule and you look at the different guys, the the BYU receivers, right? Josh Downs from North Carolina, the receivers of North Carolina had. Outside of a couple plays, those guys didn't make a lot of plays on Notre Dame. Zay Flowers did almost nothing against Notre Dame. And again, it wasn't for lack of effort. They tried to they tried to get him the ball. The kid that you know, we 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 Notre Dame fans saw Emmett Moorhead struggle and, and stink, but what they 
a lot of them didn't see, Ryan, that we saw was a week before against a really good NC State defense. He passed for over 300 yards and led BC to a, a road win against I, that BC. I, I, I think team. he's I think he's going to be a good football player, yeah, man. Evan Moorhead had a couple of nice performances, him, man. Yeah. yeah, I think he's going to be But right. Notre Dame fans saw him get overwhelmed. Well, that yeah. had a lot to do with the fact that at that time, Cam Hart and Benjamin Morrison had really hit their stride together. And they took Zay Flowers out of the game. He had that yeah. one big, he had that one long play where he beat. Uh, who did he beat on that? It wasn't. It was near I'm the sideline, right down the yeah, sideline. Yeah, Tariq Bracy could have been. He might have beat Tariq on that play. Yeah, and then they tried to go at him again the next play, and and Benjamin Morrison picks it off, right? And they tried to throw those perimeter screens, and Zay catches it and makes people miss. And what did Cam Hart do all game? Sorry, bro, not happening <laughs> against me. So there, we've seen it against some of the best, and that's what has me excited. And then you talk about it. Jaden Mickey's got a lot of potential. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do next year. I hear great things about Chance Tucker from people inside the program. They're like, in other years, Chance Tucker's playing a ton for us. It's yep. just we're loaded there. You know, you, obviously Clarence Lewis comes back this spring. And and mm-hmm. and then you, kind of, you, you look at um, Christian Gray. I, mean, I wrote this in an article today. Two, three years ago, you're, you're wondering if Christian Gray's going to start. He's got to pass up at least three guys just to become the number three corner. I, I mean, right if, Chris, if Christian Gray got dropped in before the 2020 season for Notre Dame, he's starting no-brainer, right? I mean, on the other right. side of Nick McLeod, like he's he's starting right. from day one. Like there's no doubt to your point. Right. And I, I think that you get – Brian, now you're to this point now where this is an ad morality for Notre Dame, in my opinion, to have two long outside corners that can play man all game if you want them to. Like, Notre Dame's had good corner duos. I mean, we talk a lot about, you know, the Troy Pride, Julian Love that duo. A, that was a really good duo. But but, but it, wasn't a, it wasn't a duo, though, that could play straight man-to-man every could. snap right. if they wanted to. Only right? Troy Pride could do that. Right? Yeah. And you could do that with those two cats. And it's gotten to such an embarrassment of riches. You mentioned, you know, Christian Gray just trying to hit, you know, get into the lineup. Chance Tucker got into the lineup. You might have a situation where you are so loaded at corner that you could say, Clarence, like, go to the safety now, man. Like, we need you to, to help the team out there, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it is such an advantage defensively. You know, thinking from a defensive coach's perspective, if I have two outside corners that can play man-to-man all game, I can do so many different things up front. I can give so many different looks, a lot of movement. I can throw in some pressure packages. I can take a little bit of chances defensively with that type of group outside because you know, for the most part, yeah, they're going to give up a play here and there, but for the most part, man, the man outside, you're going to be a good shape, man. You're going to be a really good shape. Yeah. I, I think that's good and they're going to need it. When you look at the schedule this year, they're playing a lot of good passing teams again this year. So it's a great place to start. I didn't even mention Ryan Barnes. That's another guy. Micah Bell shows up in the fall. So you're talking about Notre Dame being long and out. I mean, your your shortest guy, your shortest guy, as far as height and length, is Jaden Mickey. Your second shortest guy is Benjamin Morrison, like length and height. At, at Chance six Tucker's, foot, yeah. yes, at <laughs> six foot with long arms. Chance yeah. Tucker's like about six foot with very long arms. I would, I would, I could be wrong, but I would argue he's a little longer than Benjamin Morrison. I could be wrong, but it's close. Brian Barnes certainly is. Cam Hart certainly is. Christian Gray certainly is. So that's what kind of gets you fired up a little bit about this, Ryan, is there's just a lot to build around. And and so when you can go into a spring and say, hey, we have a chance at this position to be as good as anybody in the country, that's a good place to start. Yeah. Point number two, strength number two. This can be perceived in a lot of different ways. And and, and I'm sure when you read the article, you were like, well, this is going to be interesting how the chat's going to respond to this. But I do think coaching continuity, if they would have made a change at defensive coordinator, for example, and they'd have brought in somebody proven, I'd have been like, great. But that didn't happen. They're bringing out Golden back. They're bringing out Washington back. They're bringing Chris O'Leary back. And obviously Mike Mickens comes back. To me, there's a lot of coaching continuity coming back. Now, there was a graduate assistant change at linebacker, and, and that's, you know, okay, fine. But I'm sorry, there's no excuse not to have better good coaching a linebacker. The point is there is some pot. There are some positives to the coaching continuity. And I think that's a strength for this team in that if Al Golden doesn't change a thing, Ryan, and he needs to change things, definitely needs to change things. But if for some reason he, he's one of the typical stubborn know-it-all coach that just keeps doing what he's doing. And I, and I'm not saying that him specifically insult him. I'm 
I'm I'm lumping him into the category of the of the the typical hard-headed stubborn coach. So I'm not saying he's that way, but I'm saying if he's that way and he doesn't change a thing, this defense should still be better simply because they now know what he expects of them. They now know how he coaches. They now know how he game plans. They now know what the expectations are. They now know the defense better. So unless he just goes out and puts a whole brand new defense in, that continuity is going to matter. The defensive linemen now know, okay, this is what Coach Washington wants from me. This is how, and, 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 and I think because a lot of the veterans are gone, you're not going to hear as much of that. Well, this is what Elston did. I don't care. I got great respect for Mike Elston, but he's not Notre Dame anymore. So I don't care what he did. It's about buying into what this coach is doing. I expect there to be more buy-in from the guys this year. They have to be. So I do think in that regard, that's a potential strength that you could say should help this defense get better is, is the players know the coaches better. The coaches know the players better. I think that should be helpful. I mean, because I think you have to remove your frustration for a second, right? If you're just a Notre Dame fan for you know for a split second, because yes, you want things to improve, you want things to be a little bit different, you want things to function differently, and we'll talk about that during the show later on in the show. But I mean, for me, Brian, it, you can't argue that there's not going to be a maturation from some players in year two of a system. Like you can't argue that guys are going to understand it more. I mean, that's just a basic thing, right? It's like if I read a book one time through and I'm confused when I read it, if I go back and read a second time, I'm going to retain more information. Like that's just kind of how natural learning happens, right? So whether you like what the defense is doing schematically, schematically, excuse me, whether you like the developments that they're kind of utilizing at different spots from a talent perspective, it's inarguable, in my opinion, that you can't say that some players, you know, specifically making that jump from year one to year two, aren't going to understand things better. Like, that's going to happen. You know, like, you can't – I don't think you could argue against that piece, right? So, there's going to be more comfort as you become more understanding and what your expectations are and what's happening around you. You're going to naturally get more confident. And as you get more confident, what do players do? They play faster. They move faster. They process quicker. Those things come to fruition. So, yes, I think that the defense is going to be better in 2023 than 2022 because you did retain a lot of the same players. And you are now in a second year of understanding what the expectations are. So if it didn't really sink in year one, there's a better opportunity for a lot of the players that it does sink in a year two. So there's going to be a natural maturation, in my opinion. Now, will it be enough for this team to – make a big jump on defense, that remains to be seen. We'll get to it. Key number three, and this is an interesting one, Ryan, it's experience. And and I think there's a misguided notion that there's a lot of inexperience on defense for Notre Dame this year, and and I completely disagree with that. Here's here's where I'm coming from. Six of their top ten, their top four, this is according to Pro Football Focus, their top four players in snaps from last year all come back. In six of their top 10 comeback from last season. Wow. Notre Dame returns a total of 13 players that played at least 200 snaps last season and three more, including which inc- the three includes Gabriel Rubio, that played at least 180 snaps in their careers. Right. So, and then you then you add Thomas Harper, who has over a thousand career snaps, or excuse me, over 900 career snaps, and then Javante Jean Baptiste, who has over a thousand career snaps. And you're talking about a team that has 10 players coming back, 10 players return with at least 800 career snaps. And you have four more with at least 400 career snaps. That's a lot of experience. Now we get into questions of, okay, who's the experienced dynamic guy? Who's the experienced pass rusher as far as the guy that's proven? There's a lot of questions about proven production. That's fair. We'll get into that in the concerns area. But there's no doubt, in my opinion, that there is a lot of experience coming back. There's a lot of talent coming back. And so I think that's something to build on along with that coaching continuity. And the reason that matters, Ryan, is because if you have coaches coming back that were here last year, but a bunch of new players, then the continuity isn't as as great. When you talk about that continuity and you're talking about bringing back 13 guys that played at least 200 snaps in this defense – that's why that coaching continuity and experience kind of go hand in hand and why I had them back to back. 
Well, and I think that an experience level returning for a team that brings a baseline, right? Like that brings a floor. Like there's an expectation because you literally have seen it on film. Now people will question and you hit on it a little bit is that, okay, we know what the floor is, right? It will most likely be at least as good as last year because, you know, guys usually don't get worse. They usually kind of stay the same or they kind of level off. Usually that's kind of what, how trajectories work. So I think there's a baseline and there's a floor to how good this defense will be. But the question is for me is, is to your point, what's the ceiling though, right? Just because you're bringing back proven production doesn't mean you're bringing back dudes of proven production, right? Doesn't mean that you're bringing back playmakers. doesn't mean that you're bringing back high level producers. Notre Dame has lost a couple high level producers from their team in 2022, obviously. So there's going to be a question mark on experience, but I think, again, we're getting back to the same kind of conversation piece of, with so much experience coming back, there's going to be a floor there, right? There's going to be like kind of an expectations as far as it'll at least be this good, but will it be this good? That's the, like, there's, I think there's a little bit of a, there's uncertainty and there's a little bit of a, a crevice between this is the expectation. This is the floor that you were building off of in 2022, but can it get here? Because you need it to uh, take a big jump, not just a little jump. Like, Notre Dame needs to take a substantial jump defensively, and that's the question mark. Experience is not a bad thing ever, but if you don't bring back any legitimate playmaking right. playmakers in and that experience, we'll, that's we'll, where you level we'll, off. We'll get into that more when we get into the question marks about the right. defense. And it's going to be the same thing with point four. The defensive line is the wide receiver group for the defense. And, and what that means is when we talked about the receiver group, we talked about them in the strengths and we talked about them in the concerns. The strength, the concerns was lack of experience, lack of proven production. Who's the guy? The strength, however, was just looking at raw talent. And to me, I think there's the area where there's the biggest misconception amongst Notre Dame fans about this returning team is the talent of the defensive line. And there's this big fear of, well, I don't know if we're good enough up front. If Notre Dame is not good enough up front next year, it won't be because of a lack of talent. It'll be because the talent wasn't developed properly. This is one of the deepest and, and to me, most talented football teams Notre Dame is going to have up front in a long time. Now, is there a proven guy like a Khalid Kareem, a Isaiah Foskey, a Jason Adamula? No, there's not that proven guy. No question, not going to argue that. And that's why it's still a concern. But just looking at talent, like just raw athletic talent, perfect example is the Viper position. You lose Isaiah Foskey. He'll probably be a day one, day two draft pick, right? Notre Dame's all-time leader in sacks. Yep. You got to replace him. That's one of the li- That's one of the things I'm least concerned about this season when I look at this Notre Dame football team. And it's not just about, Oh, well, Jordan Patelho's there. If it was just Jordan Patelho, I'd say, yeah, but Jordan Patelho hasn't proven anything over a period of time. He's had flashes here and there where it's looked really good. And you say, if he can be that guy consistently, he could be a double-digit sack guy next year. No no, no doubt. But you can't have that if it's got to be this guy or you're screwed mentality. It's him. It's Josh Burnham, who I wrote in the article and would argue, Ryan, is pound for pound the best athlete that Notre Dame has on defense. I was told he had a 37-inch vertical jump when Notre Dame did their testing. What was Isaiah Foskey's broad? Yes, exactly. What was Isaiah Foskey's broad jump? Uh, He was 10-5 in the broad and 34 inches in the the vert. I was told that Josh Burnham at Notre Dame's kind of testing period recently had a 37-inch vertical and a 10-5 broad as a – basically going into his second year in college. Isaiah Foskey did that at the Combine after being a four-year player and spending the previous three months, two months, preparing to do the best he could in that, yep. right? So, and you're talking about a kid who's six foot. He's over six four now. He's about, uh, he's grown. He's about six four, a little over six four now. I've been told he's up to 245 pounds. He's got exceptional wingspan, just like Foskey. And he's probably not even going to start for you this year, at least as of right now. You've got Junior Two Alamaca. You've got Aiden Gobira. Again, I'm not worried about that position, right? Big end, how good will it be? I, I don't know. But between Javante Jean-Baptiste, between Nana Osafa-Mensa, between Alexander Ehrensberger, and then the incoming freshman, again, if you can't get good play from your big end position, that's a coaching problem, not a player problem, in my opinion. And mm-hmm. we'll get into a little bit of the con- question marks about the interior 
But again, you, you don't lack talent. You lack experience at that position. That's one where, but Riley Mills moves inside, right? Where he played very well in the bowl game, in my opinion. You've got Howard Cross coming back, who's a very experienced player. You've got Gabriel Rubio, who got a ton of snaps last year. Aiden Kanaana comes back from an injury last year. Jason Onye is now a junior. You know, so there's talent, and Devin Houston's an early enrollee. So again, you look at it, Ryan, and say, I don't know if this group's going to be good or not, which we'll yeah. get into. But there's talent there. There's a lot of team, a lot of teams in college football that would love to have Notre Dame's problem at defensive tackle. And for those listening via podcast, I just give did air quotes around problem because again, it, it is a question mark, just like every team has question marks. But it's not like you're hoping that this mediocre talent here can pan out. You're hoping if a really talented raw kid like Tyson Ford can pan out. You're hoping if a really raw talented kid like Jason Onye can pan out. That's what you're hoping for. You're not hoping for, man, I really hope Pat Koontz can can step up and help us this year with all due respect to Pat Koontz. Or, gee, I really hope Tony Springman can step up and really be a good role player for us. Nice kid, hard worker, tough kid, key rotation player in that 2012 team, but not a potential difference maker. You're hoping that potential difference makers can start to tap into that potential this season. That's what you're hoping for. And so, again, talent and depth on the D-line is not a question mark. There's a lot of talent to work with. It's now up to Al Washington to say, hey, go get these boys ready to play. It's now up to Al Golden to say, hey, put this D-line in position to attack. They're not a real big D-line, so don't ask them to play like one. Turn them loose. Yep. Those are the things that I want to see. Uh, and if the defensive line's not productive, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm going to probably lean more towards they weren't coached right than I am, gee, maybe the talent wasn't as good as I thought it was. I'm just going to be honest about that right now. And I remember we, we we going into last season, Brian. I mean, like I just had this assumption in my mind that this was going to be a very attack style front for Notre Dame. You know, they don't have a ton of size on the interior. That's proven going into last season, right? I mean, your best returning interior defensive lineman is was Jason Adam Malola at 280 pounds, and then it was Howard Cross at 265, 270 pounds. Like you expect, let's be attack style. Let's create penetration. And let's make plays in the backfield. Like, that's kind of how you need to win, right? Creating chaos. And for whatever reason, that didn't come to fruition in 2022. 2023, it's a little bit of the same, man. Notre Dame's actually going to upgrade from a size perspective, though. You know, losing Jason Amalola is a blow for sure. But, I mean, moving Riley Mills back inside, you're going to have a six foot five plus kid that's going to be right around 300 pounds playing inside now next to, you know, you mentioned Howard Cross, who's still an undersized guy, but you're going to have Jason Onye. You're going to have Gabriel Rubio. You're going to have a lot more beef in 2023 than what you had in 2022. But I really talk about the Viper position all the time because I think you hit on a few key things there is that Isaiah Foskey by himself had 11 sacks last year, right? 26 and a half in his career, substantial playmaker from that Viper position. But one thing I think that people underestimate sometimes about production is that you don't need one player in 2023 to have 11 sacks. You need that Viper position, though, to supplement that production somehow, right? Like, you need Jordan Batelho, you need uh, Joshua Burnham, you need maybe Aiden Gobira, maybe Junior Toy Lamaka, like whoever ends up being, like, the key rotation players at Viper. You do need those guys to play well on a snap-to-snap basis. But the key there is, for me, is that Isaiah Foskey was playing a large portion of the snaps, right? Because he's a senior, he's a future top 64 NFL draft pick. Like he's that type of dude, right? But now in 2023, you don't need Joshua Burnham to be as impactful as Isaiah Foskey on 60 snaps a game. You need him to play 20 snaps and be dang good at it, man. You need him to play 30 snaps. You need Jordan Patello to play 30 snaps and be dang good. It's a lot easier to be productive on a shorter amount of snaps. You're going to be able to keep guys fresh, I think, more this year because there's going to be a deeper rotation on the defensive line. So, yes, there might not be one single guy that is quite as productive or impactful as Isaiah Foskey, but you might have more guys right. that are con- consistent contributors to your defense, which I think is paramount, and it's important. And that's what I was saying earlier, right? Like, maybe Jordan Patel can be that guy where he breaks out and has a double-digit sack here. It wouldn't shock me if he did that, but I'm not asking him to do that. That's the thing. I don't need him to do that. I don't need him – to replace that production. I would say that the production lot that you have to figure out or answer for is 15 and a half sacks because you had the 11 from Foskey and then the four and a half from Jordan Batelho. I don't really count the three that Justin Adamiola had because all his sacks came in sort of the nickel package where he was on the field with 
Isaiah Foskey in most of those instances. So uh, when I look at it that way, Ryan, I say it's 15 and a half. But it, it, your point is the same. If those four guys all average just four sacks each, that's it. You've got 16. And then it's about – and see, here's the other thing too, Ryan, to your point is Isaiah Foskey last year struggled against Stanford and Ohio State probably as much as any game he, he struggled in. What is the one thing that those two teams have in common? The one thing that those two offenses have in common? There's only one thing because one is really good and one's not very good, right? Well, I say two things. Both had NFL quarterbacks on, on their roster, although different level NFL quarterbacks, but they had both had NFL quarterbacks. Sure. But the one thing they had in common also was they had very long tackles. Yep. And if Isaiah Foskey couldn't win against that, then you were in trouble. What I like about this group is you have different body types that bring different skill sets. So, hey, they're eating Jordan up. This matchup's just not good for Jordan. They're really long, and he's just not real long, and they're eating him up. Then put Burnham in there. Put Gobira in there. Let Junior get up underneath his pads or do whatever. Or, boy, this guy is really athletic, and this, you know, this guy's really big and lumbering, and Jordan's just getting under his pads and blowing up, and you like that matchup. And Junior maybe is a little bit better matchup this week. Uh, they've got a guy that's a great technician, but he's not real powerful. So he's eating Josh Burnham up because Josh isn't there yet with the advanced technique. Well, then let Jordan go in there, who's got a little bit more advanced technique. Let Junior Tillamaka get in there, who's really strong, and just blow him up. And so you've got all these different skill sets, too. And you can say that at every position. Javante Jean-Baptiste brings a different skill set to the table than Nana Osafa Mensa does, who has a different skill set than Alexander Ehrensberger. They all three need to play, in my opinion. Right? right At nose tackle, you've got Howard Cross can do what he can do. Completely different player than Gabriel Rubio, Aiden Kiana And so that's a thing for me that I see a little bit more of this year, Ryan, is a is a different type of skill set where Justin Adamiola's game wasn't a whole lot different than Isaiah Foskey's game. They, they really weren't a whole lot. He was a little bit more technically proficient, but like the way he liked to attack, the long arm, the power move, it was very similar in style, whereas Jordan Patejo and Javante Jean-Baptiste are going to look a lot different. Yeah. You know, and Josh Burnham and Nana Osafa Mensa are going to look a lot different. And so to me, that's where I look at it. Whereas like Nana wasn't a whole lot different than Isaiah Foskey. Riley Mills didn't play with a whole lot different than Isaiah Foskey did. They had, they had, they used the long arm and power moves. So it didn't matter who was really playing end last year. You were getting pretty much the same type of player. The thing I like about this group is that there's a potential for a lot of different variety of a pass rush. And, you know, again, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the concerns there when we get into the the, the issues where this defense has got to get better. But again, Ryan, there's a lot of talent there. There's a lot of formerly highly ranked recruits for those people who are stargazers. There's a lot of four-star kids that are in this rotation fighting for rotation spot for Notre Dame. And now it's about developing them. That's going to be the key. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Again, another great point there, just kind of work off of it again, is that if I'm an offensive lineman and going against a defensive lineman, if a guy's throwing the same move at me all day, I don't have to think, right? You don't have to think. You don't have to repair. You don't have to second guess yourself. Well, you don't have to repair, but you don't have to second guess yourself in the midst of a vertical set, in the midst of a 45, because I know – you know, all due respect to Isaiah Foskey, I know what Isaiah Foskey is going to do as a pass rush plan. I know what he's going to do. Like you said, he's going to stick his foot in the ground. He's going to barrel down your chest. He's going to hit the long arm. That's what Isaiah Foskey is going to do. 
Jordan Battello is not going to work that way. Right. He's going to have different things in his arsenal because he's a different type can, of rusher. Can I, can I interrupt you real quick, Ryan? Because I want to yeah. want to add to your point. That's yeah. also what Riley Mills did. Yes. It's also what Justin Adamiola did. It's also what Nana does as a pass rusher. So that it, was my point. Right and, now, and continue and what is, you're saying. Yeah, and as if Paris Johnson Jr. and Dewan Jones aren't talented enough of players, right? If I just if they only have to prepare for one thing, I mean, and especially, I mean, the Dewan Jones thing, especially. Because that's it's a person that Isaiah Foskey gets linked to a lot because he didn't have a good game against DeWan Jones. He didn't have a good senior bowl performance against DeWan Jones on day one. Because DeWan Jones is 375 pounds, man. Why am I just burling down his chest? It's not gonna work, Isaiah. It's not gonna work, man. All due respect again. But now you're going into a matchup where whoever the best offensive tackles are on the board, like man, you know, there's gonna be guys that can burl down your chest and use power and convert speed to power. But then there's going to be Joshua Burnham, who's probably going to attack the outside shoulder a lot more, right? He's going to use his speed and athleticism. Jordan Batello is going to be like an energizer bunny of a rusher where you just have no idea what the heck he's going to do at times. You're going to have Javante Jean-Baptiste that has a little bit of everything, you know, like he's not a perfect outside track guy, but he has a little bit of nuance in that regard. You just have so many different kind of skill sets marrying together even inside man i mean there's gonna be one play brian where you're going against a center is gonna be going against howard cross at 265 pounds and the next set uh next play you're gonna go going against 300 pound gabriel rubio it's just like that is a tough matchup to be able to counteract that type of movement inside it's not like i'm just throwing 300 pounder after 300 pounder that are the same type of player having to deal with the 270 pound gap slipper and then having to deal with Gabriel Rubio, who's more of a traditional nose tackle in your system, that's difficult, man. And I always talk about this every single week, and I just want to keep harping on this, man. If I am a if I'm a head coach, if I'm an offensive coordinator, if I'm a defensive coordinator for a team, I'm trying I'm trying to make the opposition uncomfortable, make them uncomfortable. How do I make them uncomfortable? I have to make them think, man. Make them think. Make them get out of their comfort zone. If you do then that's how you really take advantage of what teams are throwing at you, man. That's how you dictate the pace of a football game. You dictate the momentum of a football game. Make them think. Make them second-guess their preparation. Make them confused. You do those types of things. Notre Dame has a chance to be very good. But, I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to come down to if we think that they'll be put in position to do so. But I think Notre Dame has the makeup to be that impactful up front if they use their talent correctly. So let's go to point number five, Ryan, and and this is going to be kind of building on to that. Notre Dame the last two years added a lot of young athletes to the defensive depth chart, a lot. And my whole thing is I'm so over the youth excuse, so over it. Georgia had, what, three freshmen, true freshmen starting last year in the playoffs, right, if I remember correctly. Two or three others playing a lot of football. Several redshirt freshmen playing last year. Their most impactful defensive lineman in the national championship game was Bear Alexander, who was a true freshman. True freshman. The most productive one, anyway. Their best safety last year was a true freshman. Yes. Malachi Starks. I'm so over the whole, well, they're young. They need to develop. This is college football. This is the open transfer portal. If you're not coaching in a way that allows younger players to get on the field early, then you're just not coaching right. You, you have not adapted to what this is. And, and when I look at this depth chart and I see a linebacking core that has guys like Nolan Ziegler, Jalen Sneed, Jaden Osbury, Drake Bowen, if you can't get a good linebacker rotation this year, that's a coaching problem a thousand percent. You look at the defensive line, and, and again, we just talked a lot about it, need to rehash it a ton. There's a lot of yet time. I mean, Tyson Ford is a guy that that if Al Golden can't work with that kid or Al Washington can't work with that kid, perhaps that's an Al Washington problem. Okay. Oh, well, Tyson's got to learn to do. Okay. But it's your job to teach him how to do those things and to push him and do those type of things. Right. This is a kid that a year ago, we were all super fired up about Marcus Washington coming in and beating Oklahoma and teams like that for him. And he was a top hundred kid. Aiden Gobira, top hundred kid. You're bringing in a very raw freshman class, but a very toolsy freshman class. You can't get one of those guys ready to play. That's a coaching problem between Sneed, Ziegler, Bowen and Osbury, I'd even throw Preston Zinter into this conversation. If you can't get those guys ready to play, that's a you problem. 
I'm sorry. I, I'm so sick of the excuses. Well, it's this, it's that. I'm sorry. No, that's a you. Mike Mickens was able to take a freshman who didn't play a freaking snap in the spring because he was still in high school and turned him into an All-American. Okay? I, I, I'm tired of this. I'm tired of the whole, you know, oh, they're too young. They need They need time to cook, right? No, this isn't 1995. You've got to have a system in place that gets these young players to play. And when you look at the athleticism and the length that Notre Dame has in their freshman and sophomore classes, there's no excuse not to be good. Now, am I saying the entire front seven needs to be freshman and sophomores? No, that's stupid. I'm not saying that. There's plenty of veterans. But what I'm saying is you don't have to put up with Marist making the mistakes he made last year, this year. And if you do, that's a you problem. Not a Maris problem. Maris is who he is. So it's your job to find a niche where Maris can use his skills to thrive. That's your job as a coach. It's your job as a coach to say Jalen Sneed's really good here, 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 and here. Not good here and here. So let me find a role where I can put him here to thrive. One of the best things that, that Clark Lee ever said to me. When I was at the previous place, we would do these. We had this football preview and we worked on it and we would sit down with the coordinators and do one on one interviews. And I was only supposed to have 30 minutes, but I sat down with Clark Lee. It was late in the day. The, the SID came in to say 30 minutes is up. And Coach Lee was like, hey, just give us a couple. And then he left. So we sat down there for like two hours talking ball. And one of the things that Clark Lee said, and this is one of the things I always respected about Clark Lee, he said, I'm sitting in a meeting with the coaches and they're telling me what, like this kid can't do that. And he said, hold on a second. He said, everybody stop. Everybody stop. He goes, I don't want to hear another word about what these kids can't do. Tell me what they can do. And we'll build around that. And I feel like without golden being an NFL guy, he spends way too much time focusing on what kids can't do and not nearly enough time on what they can do. So if Jalen Sneed can only do three things at a high level, then you put him on the field and let him do those three things at a high level. If you're going to tell me Nolan Ziegler can't get on the field because he doesn't have enough weight here, then you're not a good football coach. I'm sorry. You're just not. If you can't figure a way to get those guys onto the field. And same thing up front. If you got all these talented young players and none of them are ready to play, if I'm Marcus Freeman, then you need to fire those coaches for one of two reasons. Either A, they're terrible at identifying players because all these kids they brought in aren't ready to play, or B, they're not very good at developing players. And so it's a huge year for the front seven coaches to develop these guys because anyone that's going to try to use the recruiting, the town excuse or the recruiting excuse this year, I'm not going to have it. Yeah. Are they young? Yes. Is that problematic to some degree? Yes. I don't want a front seven depth chart that's nothing but freshmen and sophomores. That's not good. I don't have enough grown man strength in there. But that's not an issue. Patelho's a senior. Riley Mills is a senior. Cross is a fifth-year guy. Rubio's a junior. Javante Jean-Baptiste is going to be a sixth-year senior. Nana's going to be a senior. Aaronsberger's going to be a senior. you got plenty of grown-ups in the room. Maris is a fifth-year guy. JD's a fifth-year guy. Jack Kaiser's a fifth-year guy. you got plenty of grown-ups. And I'm not saying, get rid of Jack Kaiser. He sucks. Don't No, I think Jack does some really good things. But again, you don't need to put Jack in the situations where he's not good because he's you've got Nolan Ziegler and Jalen Sneed. Where's Jack get exposed, Ryan, when you put him in space against bigger guys or faster guys? So don't do that to him. Let Nolan have that matchup. Let Jalen have that matchup. Let your nickel have that matchup. Let Jack be closer to the box. Let Jack attack the ball. Because you know what Jack Kaiser does really well? Freaking run to the football. That's what Jack does really well. You know what he doesn't do well? Open up and run. So guess what? Stop asking him to do that. Because you have guys that can do that. And so that's my whole point, Ryan, is there's no excuse this year. No excuse for talent. Last year, so well, they were all freshmen. Okay, whatever. It's still a BS excuse. Sure. But now those guys are sophomores now. And you've got another freshman class coming in. And so to me, I'm like, use you can use Maris now for what he does well. You can use Jack now to do what he does well. And then in, in areas where he doesn't do well, let those other kids play. Because Jack Kaiser is too good attacking the football to, to be like what some fans are. Just, oh, forget Jack Kaiser. Just don't play him. That's nonsense. Well, he doesn't do this well. Do this. I get that. Don't don't disagree. But you know who does that well? Freaking Nolan Ziegler, Jalen Snead, Jane Osbury. Let them do that. Let the nickel do that. And then put Jack in here and let Jack do what he does really well. 
And that's where I hope that Al Golden adopts sort of that Clark Lee mentality of, I'm tired of hearing what these kids can't do. Come to me with what they can do. And I'm going to build a defense around what they can do. That's what good coaches have to do in college. And if you can't do that, Todd, look at Todd Munkin, Ryan. Go break down Todd Munkin's offense at Oklahoma State and then break down his offense at Georgia, and you're going to see two completely different offenses. But a lot of the same principles – accuracy getting into space precision all you know all those type of things being able to run the football his Oklahoma State offenses were pretty balanced you know I think he had Joseph Randall back then if I remember correctly right but they had Brandon Weed at quarterback so they did things a certain way it's very prolific comes to Georgia different type of football player different type of different type of roster but he still built a really good offense around it it looked very different that's what good coaches do and so to me, that's my thing is with the young talent Notre Dame has in the roster, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not hearing any excuses this year from anybody about why the defense yeah. isn't really, really good. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just not. Because if you can't get it from this group, then you're the problem. They're not. I'm sorry. Brent, do you remember there was a play against North Carolina last year? It was a touchdown for Josh Downs where he ran a whip route into the end zone, right? You know, for people that don't know what a whip route is, it's where you run – you know, you kind of fake like you're just kind of running a hook and then you'll either break inside or out, right? Like I think Wes Welker used to really love doing that route, Danny Amendola, like those guys, right? So he ran a whip route against Jack Kaiser. And I remember everyone was like, Jack Kaiser stinks. He can't cover. And I'm like, but guys, why is he covering Josh Downs one-on-one in that situation? That's in a man, my frustration. In a man situation. That's bad coaching. That's my frustration. And I, you know, I fight back against the Notre Dame doesn't have speed stuff a lot, Brian. But you know who makes that makes that an argument is the Notre Dame coaching staff that doesn't put the speed on the field. That's who does it. It's not right. it's yeah, it's just really frustrating, man. Right. I could talk all day about that one though, because right. it's just like, yes, you make it look like you don't have speed because you don't play your most talented players all the time. You don't do it. So then it right. the 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 very stereotypical you don't put insult in positions where there's their talent thrives exactly I mean, well, you can't watch jack kaiser against clemson and watch jack kaiser against navy and jack watch jack kaiser and some of these other games where he's playing more near the box make a ton of plays and tell me that kid shouldn't be playing more right well that or that kid should be on the bench is what i meant to say yeah. well okay in this third and seven yes he should be on the bench or inside right so stop putting him like you said stop putting him in that situation don't don't ask him to do that and then if he gets beat doing that don't get mad at him you knew he couldn't do that. He's never been able to do that. And that's my and, whole thing. And, and, yeah, he might not be a great athlete playing the rover position, but you know where he would be a much better athlete at, Brian? Playing Will Linebacker, playing inside as an inside linebacker. Like, that's where his athleticism would now become a strength for a guy like a Jack Kaiser, for instance. Yeah. I mean, you talk about a Ramon Henderson. Like, Ramon Henderson's athletic, but moving over to safety – he turns into a great athlete for a safety. Right. You know, he was a good athlete at corner. Now he's a great athlete he was at safety. Good because he couldn't flip his hips really well. Exactly. Well, now he doesn't have to really flip his hips. And when he does, he's doing it from 15, 20 yards off the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Well, it, it, you talk about safety. I mean, look at, you know, we, I talked, this point was about young athletes, but you look at safety. This is going to be the most athletic safety tandem that Notre Dame has had in a very long time in Xavier Watson, Ramon Henderson. Very long time. Okay. You got to get those guys ready to go. You got to get them ready to play. And, and so that's to me, and, and you take a guy like Clarence Lewis. Okay. He's not a dynamic athlete corner, but you put his skill set and put it to safety and let him be a cover safety. And all of a sudden it's a good football player. It's a really good football player. And so that's my whole point, Ryan, is I'm just, I'm tired of the whole, well, we're not athletic enough. We don't do this. Well then play this other guy more. And I thought that's a good thing that I thought Mike Mickens and Chris O'Leary did is by the end of the year, you have Benjamin Morrison playing a ton. You've got, Xavier Watts playing a ton, who was still really new to safety. And once all of a sudden Xavier Watts starts playing more, and all of a sudden you don't look as slow at safety now. When when you look at the bowl game, you're like, this is the fastest I've seen Notre Dame safeties move in a long time when Ramon and Xavier are on the field together. Yeah. And, you know, that that's where it is. So I want to see that, Ryan. I want to see those th- that those young guys be used more You've got the depth to, be, and you got to be careful. You can't get too nichey to where when those guys are on the field, you know it's coming, right? right? And, 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 but you've got to try to eliminate as often as possible certain matchups and certain looks. So you know, so it's if Jack's on the field and you're you're he's out, got to be out in space, and make sure you're making the right calls that you're allowing him to be real physical and reroute and jam the slot and then pass it off to somebody else. 
right? And there's all play, types play of more, Play more zone than just playing straight man across the board. Right. Like, yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. You know, so like if you play cover two, then Jack can play inside leverage and now he's in a better position to jam on a, on an over cross route. And if a guy runs an out, it's okay. You got the corner squatting on him. It's, it, you're, you're in a much better situation or, you know, there's different things you can do. Right. And so that's kind of where I'm at with it. Ryan is there's too much talent. Now, is there enough talent to be a top 10 defense that I don't know that I don't know. There's, there's a lot more question marks that we're about to dive into to be that. And and how how well these next set of questions get answered is going to tell us if they're good enough for that. I don't know if they're good enough to be a top ten defense, right? And like top ten meaning like just talent and production and all that kind of stuff, right? But the thing that frustrates me is I look around and I'm saying, okay, are you going to tell me that Iowa has better athletes than Notre Dame? Are you going to tell me that Wisconsin has better athletes than Notre Dame? Are you going to tell me that Illinois, top to bottom, has better athletes than Notre Dame, Minnesota? Sure, sure played like it last year. <laughs> yeah. Now, is Devin Witherspoon a stud? Heck, yes, he is. Absolutely. But Devin Witherspoon played what position, Ryan? Cornerback. That's not exactly a concern for Notre Dame. They're right. fine there. So that's the thing that kind of frustrates me as well. You know, they 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 can't do this and they can't do that. And 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 I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm so tired of hearing all that stuff. When I watch other teams that are really good come out and play, you know, with athletes that don't match what Notre Dame's putting on the field, I just I get really tired of it. And it just it just it gets it gets old after a while. It gets really tiresome after a while. You know, and and yeah, I, I just I I'm I'm over it. And and especially when you watch how this team this team didn't even play well against Ohio State last year and still kept Ohio State in check. You know, I just uh, athleticism's not in their problem. Again, are they elite? No, not th- they're not there yet. Are they pretty flipping good? Yeah, they are. They yeah. are. And I'm tired of watching Wisconsin and Iowa and teams like that have top 10 defenses and say, oh, well, why can't Notre Dame do that? Why? Because they're not coached as well as what Jim Leonard coached his defense to be, as what Phil Parker coached his defense to be, as what Joe Rossi coached his defense to be. That's the difference. They maximize what their players do. Joe Rossi has one of the most basic defenses you'll ever see. But you know why it's so good? Because they play freaking fast. Yeah. And they never make mistakes because it's line up and play. Now, when they play certain teams who have way better players, they get exposed, right? Michigan exposed that because Michigan had way better players. But more often than not, they do well because those kids flat out know how to play. And that's where Al Gold needs to focus. Stop trying to show everyone how smart you are and make it about how smart the players can be. And if you do that, man, I think this defense could be really good. Well, I mean, because it's all about development in some of those schools that you talked about, right? I mean, it's no secret at like Illinois this last year, they developed those guys, and when they're now juniors and seniors, like they all break out, right? It's like, wow, where'd Devin Witherspoon come from? Like, he's played the last two years. It's just the simple fact that he's getting better each and every year. And I think that lack of development's the big thing. I mean, someone said Oklahoma State in the chat, Brian, in 2021 when they had a really good defense – Malcolm Rodriguez was a former 5'10", 5'11", safety recruit, like a three-star right. kid. And then all of a sudden, he's one of the best linebackers in college football in 2021. Why did that happen? Not because Malcolm Rodriguez is this big, long, athletic stud. It's because he's a worker, and he was developed properly. Jim Knowles developed him. What did the NFL Why? think of Malcolm Rodriguez? What, when the sixth round, I think. Sixth round. Ooh, sixth round, yeah. Sixth round. Who, great yeah. college football player. Yeah. Same thing with that edge rusher they had. The kid was like 6'2", 230. That year, oh, under Jim Knowles. Colin Oliver. Colin yeah. Oliver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, so yeah, they weren't they weren't out there putting out a bunch of future first round NFL. There was no Justin Gilbert on their defense in 2021, right? There was no guys like that. You're absolutely right. There's a lot of kids that knew how to play. That's what they had. I, I even think of Jim what Jim Knowles did in year one at Ohio State with Tommy Eichenberg. Tommy Eichenberg's not like this freak athlete or anything, man. It's just he developed him properly, and he's smart. Like, that's the difference, man. All of these teams should talk about the the playmakers and the great players they're, they're putting out there. It's about development. It's not that they came in – here's the star crowd again, right, Brian? You need five stars that just are from day one or studs. Yeah, sure, everyone needs those guys. But you know what else they need? They need coaches that can develop properly and get those guys to play to their peak. That's what they need, right? And I think that's what Notre Dame has been missing 
in certain years, you know, is that some positions just have not been developed properly. They have not been developed enough. There's no reason that you can't get more out of the talent that's on the defensive side of the roster. And again, we're talking about a defense that wasn't bad in 2022. It was good, but it needs to be better. There's no doubt about that. And it can be better and it should be better and it has to be better. That's kind of the, the end all be all for me.